Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Explorative Podcast. Welcome back to Explominate, guys. This is your host, Ben, and this week I'm joined by Drexy. Hey, Ben. How's it going? Not bad, Drexy. How you doing, man? Uh, yeah, just being woken up to do podcasts again, twice in the same week. We need to get Rob doing an impression of a chicken, like a rooster call, and then you can play it on your sampler in the morning whenever you need to get up to this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm sure you'd do that as well. And also this week, we've got Daz, Daz Tactic. Thanks, guys. Yeah, looking forward to the discussion. I've only I've, I've, I had a little bit of a, a, a power nap snooze, <laughs> so I've only just woken <laughs> up as well. <laughs> and also joining us this week is Eric Tortuka Power. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is this is going to be fun. Anytime, man. One thing that we should talk about is how bad 2021 was for games releases, because uh, this was originally supposed to be a sort of 2021 games roundup review, but we've ended up having to record it a few weeks later than we originally intended. Uh, and then I think we all came to the conclusion that, well, it was kind of it was kind of like a real damp squib. Is that the best way to put it? Yeah, I think look, it's, it's funny, like, because I, I, I was thinking, is it me or is it the industry? Like, is it, and I mean that in, in a genuine way, like, is it, was it the whole lockdown, COVID sort of issue where you're sort of like, you're feeling a bit more flat than you normally do? Because I know I wasn't that interested in actually chasing games up. Uh, I feel energized this year for some reason, but uh, last year, the, for nearly the whole year, I was just extremely flat. Did you guys, like, what do you think? Is it the actual, was it the lack of, really good games that came out or was it you know something was it something within ourselves well the thing was we did um sort of uh, games we were looking forward to in 2021 sort of beginning of 2021 or late 2020 and probably about half those games were delayed until 2022 so i think that's half of it really yeah i'd agree with that point yeah i'd agree with that Uh, it feels like it's it's kind of like both things at the same time where you have uh, COVID kind of making everyone's lives a little harder. And then you have, that's also happening to the game developers and then they push out their release and it makes our lives less full of joy because those games <laughs> that we're looking forward to were, uh, were postponed. I know that my um, game list of games I was looking forward to in 2021 was almost identical to the game list I'm looking forward to in 2022, which says a lot, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, because Distant World was supposed to come out last year, wasn't it? That's um, you know that that was really top of my tree, um, and now of course it's coming out this year, and you've got so many good games coming out this year. Like it really is an exciting year. I was really looking forward to Warhammer Three, uh, Total War Warhammer Three, and again that was one that was put back. And you know, 
I think we can all agree games are going to be better if they've got a little bit more time in the oven to bake. And I'd rather they were delayed than they rushed them out and had a really bad release. And then because, you know, they're full of bugs or they've, they're missing features, they get bad Steam reviews, no one buys it, and then it just kind of, like, disappears. So, you know, mixed in with the disappointment is also a sense of, well, I think with most of these games, they've done the right thing. Um, yeah. Today, we're going to have a bit of a chat about Distant Worlds 2 because uh, myself, Daz, and Eric are all... Uh, we've all got review copies that we're allowed to talk about, which is great. So we can have a little bit of a talk about Distant Worlds 2 and what our first impressions are, are like. And uh, then we're just going to see where the conversation takes us um, and maybe have a bit of a chat about some of these upcoming games that are coming out in 2022 that we're looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. And, and even some of the DLCs that are coming out this year, I'm extremely like you know excited about. So um, yeah, it's, it's uh, going to be a great little year, I think. <laughs> Does I'm interested in asking you this because I know you've played it. Uh, there's a game that we really missed on Explorminate, which is Imperium's Greek Wars. And I think I've, I've, I might have asked you this question before, um, or I can't remember whether it was on a podcast or whether it was in private, but I've been playing Imperium's and I've not had a huge amount of time to play it, but I'm kind of gradually building up my experience with it. And I'm starting to realize it's actually a really, really good 4X game. And I don't often play historical 4X games anymore, but this one's really, I really like the game mechanics in it. Um, particularly the fact that it's got like a resource-based economy, very much like Distant Worlds. I'm interested to know what you think of it because I know you've played it a little too. Yeah, I haven't played it an enormous amount, but that's a, that was a good year, a good game that came out last year. Like that was actually that would be up there. Um, and it's it is a um, it's a complex game, and it's a game that sort of that gets away from you a little bit. That like you do need to know the game to, um, to I, I guess to get the most enjoyment out of it. You can muddle your way through the early part of that game, but that game does actually become a fairly complex fairly quickly, and it's ex- which is a good thing. But it's it does require an investment in time, I guess. And, and to be honest, like last year, as I sort of said, I was a bit bit flat with the uh, the whole of the year, so I didn't put a lot of time into most games. In fact, thinking about it, I think it was um, Shadow Empire technically came out the year before. But Shadow Empire then chewed up so much of my time uh, through the uh, well th- through all of 2021, really. Like, and it was sort of at the expense of a lot of games. And so quite often, I think when Imperiums came out, I was tended to be playing games like Imperium in between playing, like I didn't want to play too much Shadow Empire, but uh, so Imperium sort of came in at that sort of phase. But, but it's a very, very good game, like very good game. You know, the, the game before that, uh, I forget what it's called. Aggressors Ancient Rome. Yeah, was the yeah that was good as well. That was really good. Yeah. So no, they're, they're, both, they're both very, very good games. Oh, okay. I, I I didn't realize which one you were talking about, but this is uh, wh- which game is this again? Imperium's this Greek Wars. Okay, and this is the the like self published version, or like you know different game, but basically very similar looking to the Aggressors um, Ancient Rome game. Yeah, the the devs actually went off and sort of uh, and just and so they published that this was a self published uh, version. Like, well, it's not just a version; it's a self published game. Uh, dealing with the uh, more the Greek and uh, Persian uh, side of things. Okay, I see it now. I I have actually played a little bit of this Imperium's Greek Wars. Got it. What did you think, Eric? Have you got an opinion on it yet? Yeah, so um, I don't want to say a strong opinion yet. Um, I like the original, but how do you say this? There's some games which you really like everything about it, and if you walk away from your computer like, man, it seems like good game design and everything, but you just aren't drawn to play it. And that's the case for both aggressors ancient rome and imperium's greek wars for me i I like it i can't really identify 
it maybe it just plays too slow somehow. So like it's a game I could easily recommend to people without putting in any gameplay hours myself. Yeah. I, I get that too. I, I also find that with another game that's set in the ancient period, which is Old World, and I've played that one enough now to I, I think I can say now that I was in the beta uh, way back or the alpha. And I didn't really play it a whole lot because I kind of bounced off it a little bit. But the game's really come on a long way. And I, I can absolutely see that uh, I recognize Soren Johnson and his team as being excellent game de- game designers. They are really, really good. But I have the same issue that Eric's just spoken about with that, that I do, that I, I kind of have a little bit with Greek Wars as well, which is, yeah, that same thing. Also, like Daz, I spent most of last year playing Shadow Empire in the time that I had. I, I got hundreds and hundreds of hours in on that game and I'm still not bored of it. <laughs> so no, no. Uh, I'm the same. It's sort of it's still a game that I, I'm so looking forward to this ocean. I mean, that's again. I'm looking at that. I put that in the uh, 2022 camp again. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're right. Like it's funny because you do have these games that you that you do gravitate back towards. And um, yeah, I'm finding that uh, it's a very it was very well put, Eric. That you know you sort of do end up with these games that are good games that you don't tend to. Uh, like I can. I'm looking at my desktop at the moment. Like. Panzer Corps 2 is a game that I just, I love the mechanics in that, but I don't play it enough. And um, it's a game that I, I really respect what the devs have done with that one, with the random random maps and the um, the way that they do their actual uh, damage is um, so many games that I do gravitate to could learn so much from Panzer Corps 2. You know, it's just, and that's that's uh, something that I just find that an exceptional game in, just in, in, in its mechanics, but just uh, I don't play it. I don't play it enough anyway. I feel the same way about fantasy general as well. And, you know, anybody mm. who knows the pedigree of those two games, I guess, is it fair to say that the original Panzer General came? Yeah. So fantasy general was kind of like a fantasy reskin of, of pa- uh, Panzer General way back in the nineties. Very good game in its own right. Both games have had, re- you know, modern remakes now. So Panzer Corps 2, I, I agree with what Daz says is it's an excellent game mechanically. It's really, really solid. I haven't really gotten around to play it a whole lot. And it's the same with Fantasy General 2 as well, which is a, a, a very different game in a sense, but it's still, it plays differently. I think it plays more like Fantasy General if Fantasy General had deviated very much from that original Panzer General kind of formula. And there's, there's kind of new mechanics in there now that make it feel quite different. Again, it's another really, really solid game that I just... I guess we've just got too many games coming out. I think that's part of the problem. And, you know, this is not our full-time job for the most part, I guess. So, you know, you can't mm. just play games all the time. You have to pick and choose what you want to play. And I'm not I'm not a paid games journalist or anything. So I don't play stuff that I don't enjoy. Like, I don't... And I also don't feel the need just to go through everything. Like, if, if I play something for 10 minutes, it looks like crap. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to bother with it, generally speaking. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Actually, with Fantasy Gen- General too, as well. Like it is, it is. It's got exceptional mechanics. Uh, and I guess the, I had a little bit of a disconnect with the lack of factions, and that was actually stopped me from enjoying it as much as I probably really should have. Because I, the actual mechanics are fantastic, and uh, I should, you know, once again, another game that's coming out in 2022, Master of Magic, is. Um, I'm hoping that it has the same mechanics or the same sort of feel that, that Fantasy General two had. Uh, but then just with that sort of like much broader uh, grouping of um, of factions to play. I mean, it looks gorgeous, uh, Mad- Master of Magic, as well, as does Fantasy General 2. They're both extre- extremely looking, good-looking games. Yeah, it's it's interesting, actually. It's interesting how you tend to sort of just move away from certain games <laughs> for no good reason. Yeah, I kind of had the same thing with uh, Battle Sector. I mean, I really enjoyed playing it, but... Because of the lack of factions and content, I kind of fell off of it. But uh, they are coming out yeah. with a DLC, but I think it 
needs quite a lot of DLCs to be honest. Needs a lot more factions, so yeah. It but I am looking forward to it. Well. Like that one, that one really needs random maps, I reckon. Like it's um, the mechanics are great. It looks fantastic. Just the lack of random maps. I agree with you, Drexy. I think it's um, that's one that as well that I I don't pl- I've hardly played, but I I do respect what they've done with it. But it's just I don't know, just not enough content. I bounced off that, and you know I I paid for that one, and I don't know like. Like I, I know Daz is a little bit like this, and I don't really like playing campaigns in games unless they're good. And I definitely don't play them in Forex games. Like I just never do. Forex just has storylines have no place in Forex games, in my opinion. I think they're better off having a nice background story that you can kind of then build your own story around in your head. Very much like Shadow Empire. However, I couldn't imagine playing something like Panzer uh, Panzer Corps Two without you know the the I, I can play like the procedurally generated maps that's fine like that's that's really really cool but i do like the the progression you get as you play from you know mission to mission that really works in tactics games very very well uh, i don't like it so much in forex games really but yeah i i don't know why but i try i jump straight into the you know what i would call a skirmish map right so you, you the you just get a random enemy army and you know i was playing space marines or tyranids or one or the other and the ai was abysmal it was the i mean the enemy threw its its commander at me on its own, and then I killed it. And then it just threw one unit after another individually at me. There was no coordination to try to kill me. I just I was like, "What is this? This is like playing against a five year old man." Like I don't need amazing AI in in these games because if I want to be really challenged, I'll play multiplayer. But you need to, at least it, for it to have some basic kind of understanding of like how to how to make an attack you know it was awful so i just put that straight down i was like nah i'm not playing that and everyone's like oh you've got to play the campaign i'm like uh no i haven't <laughs> i only played the campaign and i didn't play skirmishes and it was fine so i reckon what's happened there is the game the way they've designed it, it obviously needs to be scripted for the ai to do well because it did kick my ass in quite a few places in that game but as you're saying, skirmishes, the AI seemed a bit dumb. So maybe that's something they need to work on, really. It might be different now. Yeah, maybe I just need to play the uh, the skirmish mode. Uh, sorry, the campaign through then. But uh, and it was a it was a long time ago. It was when the game was very first released, and I kind of bought it and had a, I played it for about an hour or two, and then kind of put it down and thought, hey, this looks cool, but AI sucks. Maybe if I come back to it later. But you know, maybe I'll be surprised if I go back to it now. I don't know. I think it's the biggest game that um, Slytherin has got out there at the moment, though. Like, it's it's sort of funny because it's um, obviously the the audience out there has actually really, really embraced it. You know, which is sort of like, as I say, like it was. I I feel exactly the same as what you guys are sort of saying as well. And it, it but it's so it it didn't really super grab me. But the um, you know, for example, I much prefer to be playing Warhammer Gladius. Like that that for me is an exceptional game, and so I'll just keep on playing that. Like whenever I play Battle Sector, I feel like playing Gladius. <laughs> I'm the same, mate. I, uh, Sean uh, from Explorminator and I are currently doing a multiplayer series on Gladius, and we've put we've put that up, and it actually had a surprising amount of people watching it because we were like, oh, you know, this is kind of obviously when you've got two people doing a YouTube video, it's much looser than it is if you're doing it yourself. And I wasn't really sure how it would be well, you know, whether it'd be well received, but we've had some positive feedback and some decent views on it as well. Yeah, I I love Gladius. I can I that will be that's one of my favorite games, and it will be for you know from now going forward. Basically, I think that's a perfect example of when if you if you really fine tune what kind of tactics and forex games are and push it in a certain direction, and then strip away all the excess stuff, you can make a really really good game. 
is um battle sector is it supposed to be it's it's like tactical only right i mean i i, I just basically don't really enjoy tactics only type gameplay um i i used to but now i, I don't know i kind of moved away from that to more strategic or I, I like managing yeah, the money. You're not really managing, you're not really managing um, anything on a strategic level. You, it is p- pretty much a tactical game. But it's a, it, but having said that, the mechanics in Battle Sector are exceptionally good. Like the the actual way that they've actually uh, set everything up. I mean, they use um, they use like a, a like a, a grid sort of system, and it, it, it works well. Like often, I find that the um, actually they don't use. I can't really remember now. They don't use hexes, do they? They 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 do use like a square grid, and I normally shy away from anything that doesn't have hexes, but their system works very, very well. Like, it's a very, very good system that they have. It just doesn't have the, well, as you said before, it doesn't have the, the breadth of content or the, uh, for me, it's the random map. So I really like skirmish random maps. That's why I'm, I mentioned before Panzer Corps 2. Their random maps are exceptional. Uh, everything about Panzer Corps 2, I just love where that's gone. I do need to get into it and play that. See, that game is just so damn good. Uh, with what it does have, and I just haven't given that the time. But um, and I think, look, hopefully, Battle Sector will get there. I, I really hope they do actually put some time into the AI and uh, and get some uh, some you know some more random maps and, and sort of skirmish modes in that one. It would would work out very very well. Have you tried playing multiplayer in Gladius, by the way? Because one of the things that I was delighted to realize uh, to find with that game is that at least when you're playing cooperatively, you can take your turns all at once. So it's almost like a Wego system. If you finish your turn prematurely, you can still go back and move pieces that you've missed. They've really, really thought about the multiplayer mode in Gladius. And I mean, I, I, I wish I'd got into it for, uh, like earlier because it works so well in co-op, like again, you know, against the computer, especially if you set the uh, AI on quite hard, you know, and give it really big bonuses. You can, it can create quite the challenge for you and a, a friend to kind of go at. I personally haven't. Um, no, it's. I, I tend to shy away from multiplayer games that, that take a, a length of time. Like it's sort of. Um, uh, if you, if I can't play it in like in a short amount of time, then I I, I tend to just completely avoid it. And that may be just because of the time zones that I'm in and stuff like that. It makes it a bit difficult. Yeah, sure. Do, and, and Eric, do you do you guys play Gladius at all? Yeah, I have. I have played it. I've, I've, it's another game where I really should play a lot more because I've really enjoyed what I've played of it. Yeah, I have also played it and. I also have enjoyed it, but also have not put in that many hours. And I think for me, I think, I don't know why I kind of stumbled out the door with it. I really enjoyed the gameplay, but I felt like there was mechanics I didn't fully understand. I'm one of those players who really like to understand what I'm doing. I I like to know all the different mechanics under the hood. So, I mean, ultimately it goes down to me wanting to optimize my gameplay. Um, I don't like to necessarily learn on the fly, realize I've done something wrong and then need to restart a game in order to play better. I, I kind of like to learn the mechanics immediately and play good right away and then like beat the game so I can move on. It's kind of like my way of optimizing uh, my time with a game. But I don't know. I just, uh, I didn't understand all the mechanics in that perfectly. So I, I was going to go watch your series, Das, and be like, I'll learn from him and then I'll, I'll play optimally. But I, I never got to that point. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's it's for me. It's the most exceptional AI of any game I've ever played. Like so, I just I really really like what they've done with the with the way that the AI will. The AI is is just brilliant. It it, it feels like you're playing against a human player. You can figure out what it's doing. Like you like I know like if I'm playing against the really hard levels, I know not to um, not to rush until I'm really really ready, uh, because that's one that it it gauges the proximity that you are to their bases. Uh, is what sort of then makes it then become hyper aggressive towards 
whichever player is in that, in that closest category. So the more you can turtle up at the start, it certainly does help. But I know what you mean. It's sort of one of those games that um, until you actually really understand what the game is doing, it's and it is even even the way that the um, the loyalty system in, in Gladius sort of works. It, it's it's hard to understand that you don't want to be you want to be rushing your first two cities but then after that you don't want to be rushing anything it's sort of a, it's a very very strange game but it's I, I get so much enjoyment from it that is one of my go-to games i guess for uh, both drexie and uh and tortuga you you guys are just sort of you, you know it's probably yeah, it's probably more in the category of the imperium's greek wars um style of game where you, it's a good game but just not not top of mind it's just got a truly exceptional ai and i want to just i want to second that it's it's so good I, I, I did notice when Sean and I were playing together that I was I was kind of a little bit disappointed by it. I think what probably what was going on was that we hadn't raised the difficulty level quite enough. My memories of playing it the last time, maybe about a year ago, was when I was really playing it very hard or very very often, I should say. It was kicking my ass, and I'm not I'm no strategy game slouch, right? I'm quite good at tactics games as well, uh, but it was it really really kicked my ass so over and over, and I to the point where. It was satisfying though, you know, like when I lost, I knew why I was like, ah, I see what I've done here. I've not, you know, I've not developed my base or I hit a loyalty problem that was too difficult to fix in, in the time frame that I had or whatever. So it's the only AI I've ever played against. And I'm talking about including loads of war games as well that knows how to make a, fa- a fighting retreat. Like that's really, really hard to do with a computer AI, I think. Yeah, it's almost like it pulses, doesn't it? Like with the, uh, with the way it sort of attacks. It's sort of like you can actually be fighting fighting away uh, with it and then so all of a sudden you're um you think that it's it's got the upper hand but then it'll slowly, slowly pull back a little bit so you think do i go after it is it drawing me in or what it actually does feel like a, a human player and she was just going to ask um with the dlc that came out recently the adeptus mechanicus dlc did you guys play that at all i mean i really enjoyed that i found that when that was really built i think for people who enjoy the game it was it was not a it was not a newbie faction but god it's it's so rewarding playing that uh i've got that dlc but i have yet to play it um i actually i had a backlog of dlc to play with that one and so i'm i've been currently playing with the eldar uh, the eldari i think they're called now the eldar the space elves uh and i thought they were great they're, they hit so hard they're really kind of glass cannons but they yeah they're really really hard hitting but sean's been playing as adeptus, adeptus mechanicus and i've been kind of keeping an eye out on what it is that he's been doing and yes they absolutely do seem like a, a faction that are not easy to use they've got a mechanic where i think you gain loyalty penalties if you if your city has let me get this right I think your cities want to be kind of built so that they're making the same thing. Is that right? Whereas it's kind of yeah. the opposite of the towel. Specialist, specialist cities and specialist tiles and things. It's uh, very interesting. Yes. So, and that and that's actually that's quite difficult to do in Gladius, particularly because the way that it distributes the resources in the game um, isn't always that even, and that's by design. I feel, and so you can you can make the game very difficult for yourself. I think playing as the Adeptus Mechanicus if you get a start where you 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 know you perhaps don't quite read the landscape as well or the the landscape around you reveals itself not to be as useful as you might have thought i think that's a real that is a potential problem with that faction perhaps more so than with the other ones talking of gladius uh have either of you Daz or tortuga followed uh zephon the game that the developers are doing this year that's supposed to be coming out this year no i don't know anything about that De- defcon is that what it's called zephon uh, we actually did an interview with the developers about it. It's basically, um, <clears throat> it's very much like Gladius, but it's, I guess they're fleshing out the Forex side of it. But if I can remember correctly, the story is that 
it's like uh, there was an alien invasion of Earth and now sort of humans went underground and now they're sort of come up and uh, started to build up and you got a lot of different uh, factions that you can play as and you can also almost side with the aliens and stuff like that. You should really look it up. It's looking to be wow. really good. It's going to be coming out, I think, towards the end of this year. I just looked it up on Steam and at least the screenshots look gorgeous. Anything from that dev team is uh, is a must buy for me. <laughs> like, okay, so here's my thoughts about this, and I was like, right, I think the reason why Gladius worked as well was because they stripped back some of the forex elements that don't always work so well, like diplomacy, uh, you know, and espionage, and all these yeah. kind of attendant systems that often they they just kind of serve for the player to be able to kind of game the the AI and win, you know, sort of like diplomacy in in many forex games. It's often just there so that you can delay the enemy from attacking you until you're ready. And uh, so I felt that uh, Warhammer Gladius really, really worked very well there. So I'm interested to see what Proxy have learned from that game to put back into a a straight 4X game like that. Because, you know, if if they can follow up on the success of Gladius and have a game as tight as that, but a genuine 4X game, you know, with the, with the full spectrum of, 4x elements that they kind of scaled back with gladius i'm going to be dead impressed i'm also slightly skeptical as well so i'm just gonna i'm gonna hold my breath on that and just see what happens well i think they've really got some uh interesting ideas it's not just going to be like a straight 4x you um you basically kind of side with different factions that have different views on how humanity should move forward and you all you kind of like almost like infuse the alien technology into humans or become more cybernetic and stuff like that it's it's looking to be really good like like you're saying it's it could be it could take away what makes gladius fun but i think for me it's going to expand on gladius and give more systems for that type of game to be more exciting for me personally God, it looks gorgeous, doesn't it? On the as as, you, as Eric was saying as well, like when you first look at it, it looks really solid. Yeah, the graphics are beautiful. They're really, I mean, I mean, the graphics in Gladius are really, really good for a for a tactic mm. stroke forex game. They're they're superb. It's they're really great. So, but Zephon looks like a real step up from that. Yeah, I'll have to um, have to make contact. I think yeah. <laughs> it's looking great. <laughs> if you if you have got time, uh, just listen to the interview we did with them. I'll send you a link. It's it's, yeah, it made me really excited for that game. I've still not listened to that, actually, to my shame. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, one of the things about recording all these podcasts is that I've stopped listening to them now. <laughs> I just don't have yeah. time more. Who was it that got interviewed the other day? And I, it was like the first time I listened to the podcast in like two years. And <laughs> This podcast used to be one of the main podcasts I used to listen to. And now I just I can't listen to myself. So <laughs> I never do. So it's exciting when I'm not actually on a podcast. I'd like to be able to answer that question, but I don't know because I haven't listened to it. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted to ask about Old World because um, another game which came out in 2021 was Humankind, and people were making these uh, references to it. I, I know that Soren Johnson was part of the Old World team, and Soren Johnson, he's like, you know, uh, I don't know if he's considered on Sid Meier's tier, but probably uh, at least he's close to it, right? So there's a, these like elite game designers um, but I didn't really hear that much amazing feedback about Old World. And I myself played Humankind. I basically decided I was going to pick one of those two. And because I had friends who were going to play Humankind for the multiplayer aspect, I decided to go down that route as well. So can, I don't know if anybody who played a lot of Old World or especially if you played both. 
Well, anybody can comment about that. I haven't really played a lot of well, but I think you made the wrong choice. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I mean, oh, I look okay. I'm going to scratch that comment, and because it's ignorant of me to say that, because I'll be honest with you, I've not played Humankind, and but uh, I'll put some, I'll give you some context. The reason why I haven't is because a whole lot of people whose opinions I really, really respect told me not to bother with it yet because it's really not that good. Um, however, Rob gave it a, a, a very positive review for Explominate. And I think he's adjusted his opinion of it a little bit as time has gone by. I don't want to put words into Rob's mouth, but I, the, the vibe I'm getting is that he thinks it's re, it is re, it's a good game, but it's got some flaws to it that are currently holding it back. That if Amplitude can kind of get behind and fix, then it's going to be a really good game. I just don't get on with Amplitude games. I've tried and tried and tried. I don't really, I don't mind Endless Legend, but I really don't like Endless Space. I keep trying to play Endless Space too, and I just can't get into it. I don't think it's a good game. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm holding back on Humankind. Old World alike though. Yeah. I was... Can you talk a little more about um, the Home World? Or the sorry, the Old World. What What's good about Old World is that in constraining itself to the ancient era, it's it's kind of allowed to explore that in much greater detail. It also has this, this, it has like story systems and a character based system that ostensibly aren't that intrusive to the gameplay. Now, that was one of the things that actually put me off a little bit when I first started playing Old World um, was that I found that the, the, okay, so you've got characters, yeah. So you pick a character at the start of the game. So if you're, if you're, Carth- uh, if you're playing as Carthage, then you, your character is Dido, I think, or I forget the, the historical equivalents, but you have these characters anyway, you know, like Cleopatra for, for Egypt. And, then your characters, you know, they, they marry and they have kids and you have these decisions that come up very much like in Crusader Kings that kind of shape what happens with the, you know, with this dynasty of yours. But really behind all of this, it is just giving you numbers to push about. So it's like, you know, do you want your kid to go hunting or do you want to teach him, you know, teach him how to be at school? And really what it boils down to pretty much, at least when I was playing, it was, it's just like, do you want a number here or do you want a number here? So I, I found... I, I found the whole, like, there was a lot of reading involved and there were too many decisions. And I found that really distracted from what is otherwise an excellent 4X with an excellent kind of tactical system over it. It's simple. It's no way as complex as something like Imperiums, which is set in the same era. Uh, it doesn't have a lot of these, like, really complex algorithms that are running behind the battle system. It's much more like Civ. However, it's, uh, it's really, really interesting. It's got a combat system that's a little bit like Gladius, I'd say, in that it's very positional. One, uh, one I think it's, uh, I can't even remember if it's one one unit per hex now or whether you can stack them up, but uh, I, I think it's one unit per hex. But you um, you get things like positioning effects from various units. Some units can um, attack two hexes, like you know archers, that kind of stuff. It, it's it's really good the combat in it. It's and the way that they they have implemented a system of orders. So you get a certain amount of orders that you can uh, use, and it's like a resource that you then spend on moving your military units or your scouts and other actions that you can do and you've only got a finite amount of them and certain certain like buildings and uh certain directions that you can push your empire in will increase this you know or decrease the amount of orders that you have it's really really interesting i just i i don't really like all of the reading that you've got to do in it that was what kind of put me off i think i think that's the bit of it that makes me not go back to it so much because i i you know if i'm playing a tactics game and i see it kind of like a tactics game almost and I don't want to be doing loads of reading as well. So I, I just felt that I was being brought in two different directions. Yeah, it's kind of like um, Civ with a bit of uh, Crusader Kings on top. 
I don't really like historical 4X games, so I've not really given it the time. And as for Humankind, I think the biggest issue for me was um, the era system, where mm. instead of going through like different eras, you ha- kind of have to change your whole civilization. Or, yeah, your civilization just changes from one thing to another. I just found that really jarring. I just really disliked it, really, and I'm just not interested in the something game. something that you found across other games like that as well with eras? Because I hate era games. Like like any game that's come out with different eras, I just, I, just, I just really dislike it. I just like to stick in one element. So, like, I mean, it's – is it? Like, I mean, Civ's a classic, of course, but it's um, – Again, I didn't love it because of the eras. Yeah, but it's even more intrusive than Civ, I find, because you basically get caught away through the game and then you have to pick a whole new civilization. And it's just very jarring. There's no, even if it was, they made it more gradual, I don't know, but it just seems you're suddenly just someone else now and your whole identity's changed. It's really odd. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I see what you meant. The first time I played it, I, I felt similar. That, oh man, these eras, why are they making me choose this different, another civilization? Uh, I kind of grew, I essentially had to like take a step back, remove this preference in my brain. And then I started to enjoy the game a lot more after that. But it took a conscious effort because I am, I, I would like to like pick, you know, the, the Romans or whatever and stick with them for the entire civilization game. And it's, it, you know, you can start as one nation. But it, the benefits only last until the first era, which is, you know, not that much of the game, maybe what, 10, 15% of it. So I understand what you mean. But at the same time, if you just kind of, I found if I let myself go and just try to like let the system buy into the system, basically, that I found that uh, it's kind of an interesting game choice that now you can't choose because it is kind of true, right? The, you know, if you're going through the whole civilization time period, it doesn't really make sense for the Romans to be the Romans. They're not like Italy is not the same Italy as it was in in BC, right? It's just totally different, and any bonuses that they may have had back then are just totally different now. So I, I guess I did like the mechanic. I, I like the idea of it. Uh, it. It was a stumbling block at first, but then I eventually enjoyed it. And um, I've actually enjoyed Humankind a fair amount. I, I would say that to me, it's basically a good thing to have a civilization clone out there. Because then there's more competition for Civ, and Civ is just going to be pushed harder. Um, I think Rob likes uh, Amplitude games, so that probably explains why he liked Humankind. He just seems to really have a passion for Amplitude. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I still think it's enjoyable. Um, I don't know what I was missing out on on Old World, but maybe on your collective feedback here, I should go look a little deeper. I've got it on Epic, you know, like from when it first came out, but in the, like the first oh, the first iteration of it, it must be a long time ago now. But I've um, I haven't had Epic installed on my on my computer for a long, long period of time, and I just installed it this week, <laughs> and so I'll reinstall it. But I haven't haven't installed Old World again. Yeah, I think I mean, wouldn't it be cool though if the Romans Roman Empire didn't collapse and they survived until a, a later period? Uh, obviously, they would change. Uh, you know, that's what eras are about. But I don't know. I just I'm not sure I can buy into this. I'm Romans, and then suddenly I'm someone totally different. I don't know what, I can't even remember what you change into later on in the game. I think talking about this era-based system that Daz says he's not that into, or, you know, I I do like Civ, right? And I I think Civ 4 was the highlight of the series, at least for me. I didn't really bother with with any after that. Um, I don't mind that kind of gameplay, providing that 
the you're able to plot your trajectory through the game and tr- and plan where you're going okay um I, from what i've seen of humankind it doesn't kind of seem like that it seems a little bit kind of sudden and jarring when you do make these these kind of changes whereas you know like in civ you can be like okay i i know that at you know let's say the industrial period i want to be you know i want to try a certain type of thing so you can try and push your way through the research tree in order to kind of you know chart your trajectory through to that and that's the fun of games like civ i'd say is that once you, you've got to play them a few times to really you've got to play the game through a few times to really get the most out of it because you're then you're like ah okay i know that at this point this will happen and then later on this will happen i haven't played humankind like so i'm not really i've, I've watched other people play it uh, but i've not played it myself so i'm not really aware of whether that's the kind of gameplay they were going for or whether they were trying to shake things up i do think eric's point is good though it is good for for Axis to have some kind of, they do need to shake things up with Civ uh, because Civ Six, uh, it's finally overtaken uh, Civ Five in the Steam charts, but it took a long time, and you know I don't know, it just doesn't it doesn't do anything for me now. I don't think that formula. I, I mean, I like what Amplitude has done, right? I think that Civ Six's um, regions and all that were, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they were probably just stolen or not stolen, but you know, t- the idea was taken from Endless Legends, right? I believe so, at least. I'm Somebody can contest yeah. that, but it yes. looks like that yes, to me, correct. at least. Yeah, so, I mean, this is good. Amplitude is pushing the bounds, and that's going to force Civ to react. And uh, so, so going back to the errors thing, the it is kind of an interesting mechanic. You do have to abandon your previous, previous like, civilization, but when you go to the next one, you choose that, first of all. And you can actually wait. You can be like, okay, I want to wait an extra couple of turns because I want this benefit. Um, you do keep... You do keep a lot of the benefits of your previous civs, but the advantage of going faster is that you can get to a new civilization. Or if you uh, if you don't you want to stay with yours, you have to lose the opportunity cost of picking the best one. Because if somebody else chooses just beeline right to the next era, then they have an opportunity to pick what they consider the best civilization, and then you you're left with whatever is left in the pool. So it is. I I think it's an interesting game mechanic there. Actually, one mechanic you're sort of mentioning that, which which is I, I do really like that mechanic. I just don't like the era system. There's a game that came out years and years ago. It was actually based on a board game. Have you guys ever played Small World? That's that that had a really interesting mechanic yes. as well, where you essentially added civilization to your not really civilization, but an aspect to your play style that actually then you could then manipulate for a length of time but if you left it for too long it became a bit of a negative and it was a brilliant little game yeah i play that but I, I think i've only played that the real first of all the real tabletop version and maybe only twice so i'm not very familiar i, I, I actually don't even remember this mechanic from it <laughs> not really yeah because that, that was i found that lucky because you could combine you combine two aspects to it like you know combined uh Two different features about the different sorts of uh, play styles that you could then use. So it was very uh, synchronous. Like it was basically sort of, you know, you had very wildly different ways of playing. It was also and a bit random as well. Brilliant little game, actually. It's sort of, actually, I'm going to I'm gonna have to lay that one back on. <laughs> it was just fantastic. As you say, it was, it was a tabletop game more than anything else, but it, uh, they did make a computerized version, which was actually a very, very good little game. But that was many, many years ago. But I'd be uh, highly recommended. <laughs> I'd like to check that out. That sounds cool, actually. Now you're describing it. How about we we uh, we talk about the Distant Worlds two preview? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. before we do, I don't know. There's a just, maybe I'll just throw out a couple other games I thought were good in 2021. Oh, sure. Uh, please all, go ahead. I'd really like right. to ask if anybody else here has played High Fleet. 
because that's my favorite game of 2021. That's, I think, the game winner for me, the game of the year winner. Um, but it's it's a little bit uh, under the radar, I feel, and it's an excellent game. Hyfleet. Yes, I've played it. I, yeah. devs, but I didn't get a response back, I think, because that was highly recommended to me as well. But I didn't actually, um, but I didn't, I didn't, I, like often when I contact a developer and I don't hear back, I don't keep on chasing. I've played that and I love it. It's an awesome game. Along with Carrier Command 2, which was also released by Microprose, it's a real return to form for, for Microprose as a publisher because they, obviously, they, they went under years ago. Now, bearing in mind that Microprose were responsible for such small games as Civilization, XCOM, the original UFO and Enemy, Enemy Unknown, you know, they were, they were massive. They, they basically released all the big strategy games that we know and love, right? And um, yeah, with Carrier Command 2, which has also now become a very, very good game, and High Fleet, which is just, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're knocking it out of the park. High Fleet specifically is an example of how to make a game where the UI is, you know, is uh, central to the way that the game plays. It's unbelievably good. I love it. The sound effects are great. The graphics are, are amazing. It's got, I, I tell you what, for anybody who likes sound design, right, the sound effects in High Fleet are unbelievably well done. They're like so punchy. The gun sound effects are just like, you haven't heard anything like it, man. The Everything about it, that game is just really, really good. It's hard. It gives. It basically gives you a toolbox of, of gear, you know, and it allows you to build your own tools within this toolbox. And then it gives you a mission. And it's like, you know, okay, you've got to get to this place and do this one thing have at him and then just leaves you in the dark you just got to figure it out for yourself and it's brutally hard at, st- at the start i mean i've still not finished a run i'll be honest with you it, it, it's almost like a roguelite in that respect you know it's just yeah high fleet thumbs up man thumbs up from ben yeah it's um what's amazing to me is that it's a single developer it's pretty impressive that the some because usually you have developers you have designers and then you have artists and i don't know how much of the art he had to purchase or um, I don't know if he was doing all the art himself, but just a, having a single person in charge of a game, I think it's you usually find there's, there's a miss, right? There's a miss. Okay. The, the GUI is not great. The user interface is not something's falling short. You can, but the game is really optimized. So it's the developer that was shining through, or you find, oh, this is a really cool game mechanic, but um, you know, there's a lot of lag or something. I, anyway, it, it, there's usually something wrong, but there's a single game developer who seems to have miraculously hitting like the perfect triforce, the perfect trifecta of like game design, game art, and um, it's all coded in a way which is, you know, you don't notice game bugs. I don't see any game bugs and it's it's not choppy. So, um, and the, the gameplay itself is, uh, yeah, it's really compelling. I, I feel like almost anybody could get 20 hours of gameplay out of it before, I mean, even if you don't really even like the game, you'll be playing for 20 hours just to figure out what you're doing. <laughs> anyway, what do you think, Drexy? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if it was by accident or not, but as soon as I started playing it, it was like, wow, this is a microprose game. It, I'm not saying it's retro or anything, but it feel it reminded me so much, especially like the way the UI's done. It just reminded me a lot of the old uh, uh, microprose games I used to play back in the game, like B-52 Fortress and stuff like that. It was just like, wow. I would love to know if that was intentional or not. I, I don't know if it was just like a happy accident there. It just it is. It, it was a perfect microprose game, and it's cool to see that microprose is back and it's still microprose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you uh, if you wanted to count the amount of times that Drexy said microprose in that one, in that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, they were one of my favourite devs back in the day on the older on back on when I had my Atari ST. I used to play so many microprose games. Microprose again. So I think it's great to see these these companies, even if it's the style of game that's that's being resurrected. It's uh, I think it's great. Uh, there's so much good gameplay. They, they, the, the one thing that those games back in the era didn't really have was the graphics, and uh, but they had incredible gameplay. And then we went through this era where graphics was everything, and the gameplay really took a, took a backward step. And it's great to see these games that were classics back in the era, but uh, you know, with with incredible gameplay now being sort of brought forward with. Uh, with new graphics, modern uh, modern sort of take on them, and I think it's fantastic. Like you know, Master of Magic coming as well. Like that's my other other than Distant Worlds, it's my probably my second most anticipated game coming this year. Really, it's uh, I'm looking forward to that. Another one is uh, like Ben mentioned, is uh, Carrier Command. It's another game I used. Me and my friend used to play a lot multiplayer. So I haven't picked it up yet, but I'm looking forward to picking that up and getting in some multiplayer games with him. Like what was it? early 90s or something we play, used to play that so <laughs> uh, yeah glad to see Microprose pros back i i did not like i wanted to comment about this because i really like a lot of the games that are coming out from Microprose. um there's another one that you may not have heard of this arms trade tycoon tanks uh it's a tycoon type game but it, i i think it's a blast and it's just the very first demo that i'm already kind of hooked on so i'm looking forward to follow that development path but I did not like Carrier Command. I just did. I mean, it's one of those games where, like, I get in there, the visuals are cool. I go over to a station, I make a drone crash, and you know, I'm already losing interest. I just, I just bounced off. Of that yeah, one. I mean, that's why I haven't bought it yet. I was waiting for it to get sort of patched up and more content. I knew it was a. Uh, it seemed a bit bare bones for now, but there has been some updates. So I don't know. I'll, I'll wait for a review. But if it does get as good as the older carrier command so it's definitely a game i'd play i liked it i thought it was i thought it was good but there were some severe problems with it for example it had some really bad pathfinding issues that kind of made the game painful uh, so i've put it down but there's been loads of updates like some serious updates and uh, if you look at the uh, if you look at the store page for carrier command 2 now on steam it's the game is it's it's still mostly positive it's at 75 percent, and it's it's increasing all the time so I think that the uh, it's it's definitely in a much better place than it was. They've added a whole lot of features too, and it's really really good in multiplayer as well. Yeah, I want to just say this by the way one more time. If you haven't checked out Arms Trade Tycoon uh, Tanks, you you really should. Yeah, just go and check it out. I don't think many people know about it, but they have a free demo which is available, so you can just download it and play it. And if you like Tycoon games at all, I I would just I really enjoyed it. You're researching tank parts, you're putting them together. It's kind of like almost the design aspect from Distant Worlds or something like that, but that's but you actually have to fund the research and sell the tanks after they're designed. It's it's really cool. That sounds awesome, actually. Yeah, it's just great. The Micropose uh, page. Have you seen Second Front? That looks exceptional. Oh yeah, I mean, I did a I did a series with the developer actually. So that's it. It's another game that's. I think there's three games that I'm really looking forward to from them. It's uh, that one, Second Front. Um, there's also two naval games sea power which is um it's kind of like a jane's fleet command but being oh, redone right. yep. yeah and then they also have a, a world war ii um task force admiral which is coming out um so i don't know if those are scheduled for 2022 they were actually games which were part of my most hyped for in 2021 which <laughs> obviously didn't come out but i don't know i have no idea what their development schedules are at this point but second front should probably come out in 2022 i'd imagine because it was scheduled it for december that, yeah. 
it's 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 uh, slated for this year, from what I can see there. But it just that looks that looks right up my alley. Actually, that looks that looks something I'm I'm really going to look forward to that one. I haven't heard of that one before, actually. But um, just hovering over it, uh, twenty one of the friends that I have on Steam want, want it, which is actually a fair number. <laughs> so obviously, people are, people are aware of it coming. I'm always dead wary when these games companies get resurrected by big investors like you know and then they kind of like wear the skin of this old company and then they just put out these like absolutely abominations i'm sure we can all remember the the absolute travesty that, that was the resurrection of atari and so you know when i first heard that my pose was being resurrected i was like no just don't do that please don't do that i don't want you to I don't want you to uh, shit over all those amazing memories that I've got, but they've not done that. They've they've actually pumped wow. out some really good games, and it, good. it's the original guy. I think it's one of the original guys, so he's not gonna, he, yeah, he's not gonna destroy you know his own reputation and you know the legacy of of what they what they put out back in the day. So uh, yeah, it's really encouraging to see that they're doing well. I fleet particularly, I, I've got to say that is a that was. Uh, I didn't. It, that wasn't my game of the year, but I put it up there as a as a runner up. My game of the year was Conquest Elysium Five, and also Remnants of the Precursors, because those two games I just absolutely love. They're they're two games I can play just whenever. When I, I don't even have to be in the mood, I can just pick them up and play. But um, High Fleet is it's you know if we've not sold it to people listening to the podcast, you really got to go and try it. At least go and watch some videos of it and see if it looks like it's something that you might enjoy because it's just so totally, totally different to anything else you'll play. Yeah, I mean, that's why I was saying that as soon as I started playing it, it was like, yes, this is a Microplays game. And so, yeah, it's not one of those where someone's just bought the name and it's like a just a totally different uh, publisher. Um, what was the other games you had on your list, Eric? Yeah, I don't just, I'll just list these. If you have any comment about them, that's fine. But um, there was, I really loved Evil Genius, the original when it came out. It's kind of like um, a play on the Dungeon Keeper uh, type mm-hmm. games. Uh, Evil Genius 2 was, uh, it was a graphical update, a user interface update, but I didn't, I first, it's one of those weird things where it, it felt like it was basically the same game, but I didn't like it as much. But so that was somewhere on my, in the middle of my list of games from 2021. And then there was also uh, Ultimate, sorry, let me try to get this name right. I always get it wrong. Ultimate General, the Civil War. No, sorry, Grand Tactician, the Civil War. <laughs> You sure? I just never get this one right. <laughs> Grand Tactician: The Civil War. Uh, it's a Civil War game, obviously. It's um, but it, it's got the the mix. It's got that Total War type style. It's actually real time strategy on the strategic layer where you're commanding all the Civil War armies, and then it goes into uh, a real time tactical battle, just like um, very very similar to like the Rule uh, Total War series. Those were two interesting games. I've actually seen. Uh, I think it was Sean who was playing that one the uh, civil war game it looks really good i don't know anything about the u.s civil war to my shame it's it's we don't get taught about it at, at school in england or anything it's just like ah uh, you know the americans they they uh, they went off on their own and then you know well good good luck to him <laughs> and now we'll talk about world war Two. so we don't know anything about like the civil war unless you unless you take a specific interest in it and i think it's i really want to get into it and yeah I, i've watched people play that it looks really good um it does look very much like total war it looks like napoleon uh, or or Empire Total War. The one thing I'd like to say about it, just before moving on, is uh, it has a really interesting background. One of the developers is like a banker. So you can see the strong influence of like him building all the flow of the economy in. It's just, it's obvious though that the game design was not really meant for that because you all, it's just all there and you see, okay, I lost a farm, which is, has some weird, it's, it's completely opaque. 
<laughs> about why the economy is even there. I think it was just built for fun that somebody just had fun building an economy, which has like almost no impact on the gameplay at all. Um, another uh, publisher that sort of popped up this year was um, Hooded Horse Games, who actually all picked up Old World and two games I actually already own, which were Terry and Victor, which I think I kick-started, and um, also Alliance of the Sacred Sons, as well as another game called uh, Falling Frontier, which looks really interesting. I think Sean did an interview with those guys. And uh, The Way of the Wrath is another game. I, I've not really looked into that one, but they've got a strong lineup, man. And this, this publisher's sort of come out of the woodwork. I think, what was the story behind that publisher, Ben? Uh, Hooded Horse. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't really know a lot about them. I do. What I do know is that they picked up Alliance of the Sacred Sons, which is a game I'm really looking forward to. And I think as of today, you did. You guys did an interview with Steve, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, we're doing it next Friday. But they also got it's Old World as well. They're going to be publishing yeah. Old World. Right. Okay. So it sounds like they've got some big games coming up then, because Falling Frontier. I've never seen so much hype around a game as that at the moment. I mean, um, every that if. There's so much buzz over that game. If you don't know what we're talking about, go and Google it and check it out. Um, I don't really know a huge amount about it, but uh, every time it's mentioned on our forums, uh, you know, in our Discord, everybody just seems like they're really, really super excited. And if you go and check out the YouTube videos they've done, you'll kind of see why it just looked really, really good. Yeah, it's kind of like a space RTS. And uh, I think there's a lot of... Um, I can't explain it off the top of my head. There's a lot of like really cool mechanics. You just go and listen to the interview that uh, we did with the developer. It, yeah, it's looking to be a really good game. It kind of looks like Homeworld to me. That's what that's what it yeah, reminded me of. Yeah. But it looks of good. course, updated a lot. Okay, guys. Um, yeah, let's talk about Distant Worlds 2, because this is the big 4X news that's happened this week. Uh, Ma- uh, Matrix dropped it on us, <laughs> kind of out of the blue, <laughs> almost literally. Like the, 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 It just came out of nowhere. Like Rob jumped on uh, to Discord, and I just got out of bed, and he was like, Ben, Ben, I've got a key for Distant Worlds 2. Uh, can you like play it right now? And I'm like, no, mate, I'm at uni. And he's like, I'll pay you. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, let's do it. So, um, And I gather it took both, uh, it took everybody's by surprise. Does, have you actually had any sleep since it's been released? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> My initial impressions are that it's, yeah, man, it's looking good. And this is exactly what I wanted from Distant Worlds 2. I'd accept it's, um, yeah, like it's, as you say, like, I can't sort of sleep. It's just, sorry, it's a lizard running through the through my, my uh, room. <laughs> <laughs> so I turned around, I saw something, a little flash of movement, and um, there it was, just a, yeah, a skink. Just anyway, Australia sorry. things. <laughs> yeah. This is not in Australia or, or a drop bear or something. <laughs> Mortal and running through. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's sort of funny. It's a, it's a game that uh, I'm finding like it's uh, for, for such a long time. I haven't been sort of waking up thinking, "Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that." And it's um, I'm finding that since I've actually had this preview version, I've been um, waking up with um, you know excitement about uh, what I need to do in the game. Uh, just absolutely loving it. Yeah, this is one of those very few games where when I walk away from my computer, if I'm driving in the car or something, I actually like start thinking about a game. And I haven't, I remember this vividly from Advanced Tactics Gold, which came out ages ago. So probably like two decades. Um, I remember in that game, I was thinking about, oh, what can I do? What can I min-max? You know, whatever. And I'm doing the same thing with Distant Worlds 2. I also did this with Distant Worlds 1. So it's like the sign, in my opinion, of a really good game that it like, it dominates my subconscious even. 
which is really powerful. Oh, God. I'm just going to sit here being jealous, aren't I? Uh, this next month is going to be the longest month ever because I did not get a copy of it. Unlike you lucky devils. <laughs> I'm so desperate to play this. I was hoping it was like the game I really wanted in 2021 and it got delayed. I'm like, ah, I'm still... Because I didn't even get into the beer because uh, I messed up, but that's my problem. So, yeah, I'm really desperate to play it. I'm, I'm just going to be salivating with all the info you guys are going to give me. <laughs> in one sense i think it's actually it's probably good to wait for launch um there's still polish being done you know like it's one of those things where um uh i know that like when i'm when i've been streaming it there's been a, just little things that that make it so that you think ah oh, it does need that before like for example you can't actually at the moment well, actually i think they've just fixed it right right now actually but i haven't actually seen it in the streams that i've been doing yet but when you actually uh, have a spy that gets taken by another empire and then buy that spy back or swap it back. It comes back in at the moment with uh, double agent. Oh, that a, happened to me. That happened to me today. And I was, I was so angry because I, I, I paid yeah. like, it's right at the start of the game and I paid about 30,000 credits That's for right. it, which was like a, a fair wedge of money. And he came back with this double agent thing, this massive stack of penalties. So I just sat, yeah. I just got rid of him straight away. I was like, no, well, no you like, what I just paid? Sorry. The game will get rid of him. The game actually, the your leader will basically sack him within within <laughs> within a few days of coming back. And oh, uh, okay. But so, but that's actually that's a broken component, and I think it's just been fixed. So if you've got oh. the uh, if you've got the new like if you've got the latest update to that, you can now start to trade again. But that little things like that, like the you know, it's where. The number of pirates. I think that um, Eric, you had a lot of problem with pirates, didn't you? With uh, with your playthrough. Yeah, that's kind of funny. I so I, I just rolled a really bad luck. Uh, you know, this is, happens to me frequently, or at least I like to pretend it does. Uh, it plays up the drama, you know. But I rolled about seven or eight pirates in the opening ten minutes of the game, or you know, when you encounter pirates, they just start to flood in. It feels like, and I got uh, like seven or eight, which is a lot more than any of the games I have played like on my own. It just, of course, happened for the one that I'm recording. And I think that 50% of the comments on my videos are, oh, man, pirates are just so bad. I can't believe that they would just overwhelm the player with (laughs) all these pirates. And I'm actually navigating it just fine because, you know, pirates are not that. I don't think they're game ending almost ever. I, I feel like you just they kind of are a hiccup in the road or a speed bump. But yeah, but it's it's really kind of miffed some people who are watching. And I feel like until you get to the the end of the the difficulty, it, it looks overwhelming for people, but it's it's really not that bad. I don't think the pirates are anywhere near as dangerous as they were in in Distant Worlds Universe, in my opinion. They just you seem to be able to you can actually attack them early on, whereas in Distant Worlds Universe you couldn't really do that. If you tried to, their technological level was much higher than yours as it is now i I haven't played it quite as much as you guys so you've probably got a bit more sort of knowledge about this in my recent playthrough that i'm playing on youtube i only got two um who turned up within rapid succession and i was paying them off and it's expensive to pay them off like you are you're taking a big hit to your economy in doing so Um, but i understand that the meta is now that really if you can fight them you should be doing um, at least on the lower difficulty settings yeah, I think it's that's it really quite important. Actually, it's a, that's an important change because it used to be that the pirates, if you befriended them, could then supply you with with resources. They no longer do that. So when you pay them, it is just a drain. And so the progression from payment 
is you've got to wait until they, they like you enough to then form a non-aggression treaty, which means you're no longer paying any money, which doesn't happen. So it basically means that you're paying money the whole way through with no real benefit other than the fact that you don't have your bases being being destroyed. And it's not, they're not, the actual ships don't tend to be that uh, dangerous unless they, until they start getting the frigates and destroyers and then they become very dangerous. But their bases are really hard to kill. So it's sort of one of those things where, and if you, the more you pay the pirate, the more strong they become. So you end up in a situation where the pirates become, you're funding their growth, you're funding their strength. And so when it's time to wipe them out, uh, it can be quite difficult. So it's, it's a very interesting mechanic. Now, the mechanic that used to be where the pirates would sort of give you their smuggling uh, resources is now handled through independent uh, colonies. So that's actually how that mechanic is working at this point in time. So that may change, but that's um, it's an interesting mechanic the way it sort of does work. So the pirates are a problem. You can certainly deal with the raids, uh, but getting rid of the actual uh, start, the actual bases themselves is quite a quite a task. What this all has revealed to me, by the way, is just how resilient your economy is, especially with the private economy chipping in. Like uh, there was because I I actually was paying off six pirates at the same time at one point. And it showed my um, economy, like monthly balance was like negative 3000. And I only had 4000 money at that point. So I was like, oh, well, this is probably the end of the series. However, the private economy, when they have those injections of funding, it's not counted into that number. And uh, like after a month, uh, my number was from 4000 up to like 24,000. So it doesn't make any sense. But the private economy basically saved me. Um, I also wanted to com uh, comment about the, diplom the diplomacy. So I found it's not, I did it in kind of a cheaty way. I did diplomacy with um, one of the Akhtarian pirates. They were at like negative two or so. And what I did is I just started trading them contact with other empires. And that didn't get me much, like one or two points. Um, but then I, I actually gave them, started giving them the technology to deal with other Akhtarians, that, which is technology which I had, right? I, you start with um, all the technology to interact dipl diplomatically with your own people. And that was worth so much money that it got them over the, the reputation 10 you need. And I immediately got the, the um, non-aggression pack, which means that they, will know, they won't attack you still. So you go from protection agreement where you're basically paying them not to kill you to a non-aggression pack where you don't have to pay them and they won't kill you. So that, that was kind of like my, I, I don't know if it's an exploit or not, but it worked and I got through that. But by the way, Das, these were actually frigates they were sending at me, you know, power 150 or so. And the only way I could do it is by sending a whole clump of like 12 escorts to swarm them, which was effective, yeah. but you know, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. The, uh, the, the differences, uh, you know, with the, between the, the, like the old version and the new version, I mean, you, you can still see it's distant worlds, but there's so many little nuances like that, isn't there in the game that, um, that do make it really, really quite interesting. People have been asking me, is the game significantly different from distant worlds universe? And, what I've been saying is that I feel that it's more of an iterative approach to game development, much like the Conquest of Elysium here that we've got, where it's not drastically different from Distant Worlds Universe. So if you've played Distant Worlds Universe, you will immediately have some idea of how to play Distant Worlds 2. However, there are so many small changes right across the board that make the game feel just so much more fun and easy to play. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think it's like it's a a, a moo two to moo one uh, sort of iteration rather than a moo three to moo two. If you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's uh, Master of Orion three. They broke the mold. Um, it just came out a long time ago, but that was sort of like such a disappointing launch because they went too far away. Whereas I think this is for me, this is perfect. Like it's right on the money. Uh, it's it's close enough because it's this is a reset as well for all of the stuff, and this is sort of like the launching pad for everything that's going to come now in Distant Worlds too. Uh, you know, the, it, it's a massive change to change an engine like this. And uh, so they've sort of done all of the stuff they had to get out of the way. They've done enough with new mechanics a little bit. I think like people will still be disappointed about that, I guess. I mean, I've certainly seen that in the comments on my YouTube videos is that you know, people are saying, oh, it's just, you know, why would, we, why would we bother getting it, basically, because it's just basically Distant Worlds. It's not just Distant Worlds. It is, it is much, much better than Distant Worlds, but it is the starting point for a whole lot of content. And I don't know if there'll be DLCs or patches. I'm assuming there'll be a lot of patches that will come, that like content patches. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be just absolutely exceptional uh, you know, game, ultimately, over time. So uh, I think it's going to be an absolutely brilliant game. Yeah, I would say that it's also um, the difference between compares. What, what are we comparing? Are we comparing Distant Worlds 2 to Distant Worlds 1 or Distant Worlds Universe? And a lot of people are comparing it to Distant Worlds Universe, which was basically had the advantage of five years of after its initial release development and add-ons and all this. And I feel like um, it's probably more appropriate to compare Distant Worlds 2 to Distant Worlds 1, which was, what, 2009 or something like that, you know, five years before Distant Worlds Universe. Um, there are just... A lot of the content from Distant Worlds Universe will be missing, but was probably the basically the same content as it was in Distant Worlds 1. Um, one thing I do want to say about the game, though, is I feel like they've gone more of an automation route. And there's little things which crop up, which make me realize that uh, they, they, they actually do want you to play automated more in this game, which is something that... Was, uh, I mean, what was that guide in Distant Worlds Universe? Masochist, guide to, yeah. Masochist <laughs> guide to Distant Worlds, yeah. Yeah, that was how I learned to play. That guide was great. <laughs> yeah, so that I don't think that that is even really supported. I mean, something as simple as queuing orders. Uh, this is, <laughs> which you guys know, I already, I've already taken a, my stance on this. I really think that queuing orders should be a thing. But I agree with you. I think it's a shame that they've taken it out. I don't miss it as much as you have. I haven't really found. Well, this really is a general progression, to... right? You start off by playing automated, and then I mean, unless you have one of these guides, which doesn't exist for Distant Worlds Two, which takes you through manual. You start off by playing automated, and you slowly start turning off things and become more manual as you become more familiar with the game. But the problem is, right now, the game is so geared for automation that when you start taking things off and doing them manually, you find that they're because the game isn't designed to help you in that regard. They're actually more painful than they should be, like just from basic things missing. And if the yeah, game was designed yeah. from a person who was going to play manually, these would already for sure be in there. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to answer, well, I'll stay there. Obviously, that um, the biggest thing is it's a 64-bit client, and you can also scale the UI. I think I don't understand people saying, oh, it's just Distant Worlds, because a lot of people were moaning, I'm not playing Distant Worlds because uh, I can't see the font and blah, blah, blah. Well, now you have a totally new client that's up to date that you can scale the UI and Rob's even done a video showing how much you can scale the UI but um, <clears throat> one thing I one of the big bigger changes I wanted to ask you especially Eric is um, the way they've changed how the ship designer works where now it's not just based on size there's actually hard points that you have to fill and um, I really want to get your guys take on how do you feel this system's better or just different or what well, especially eric because i know eric loves to min max these types of things i think i actually stole your uh, pdf when i lost my uh 
files, my save game files for Distant Worlds. I used your PDF for my save, my start of the game saved uh, ship designs. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll just say something very briefly at first that I have not gotten into the level of like optimization and full game understanding to 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 completely understand the impact. But in general, I think it's a good thing because uh, previously, well, first of all, it allows them to kind of make the AI designs more competitive right, with yeah, human yeah, designs. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And then it also gives a, a purpose for having holes. Like previously, you just had this, it was just like really a, a formal name, Frigate Destroyer. They could be the same thing, really. You just didn't have, but now you actually have holes and there's a little bit of variety. You can research different hole types. You know, even within an escort, you can have an escort versus a patrol escort or a combat escort, something like this. And they'll have like different engines or different weapons. So I haven't experimented enough with that to have a, a strong opinion about it. Maybe the other two have. So, uh, but but I, I think in theory, it seems like a good thing. Yeah, I can. Uh, I've been doing that a lot, actually, really having a really deep dive. Actually, particularly today, I was streaming earlier today before this before this podcast. And um, uh, it was, it's the more I'm, Going into this new system, the more I like it more than Distant Worlds One. Uh, it, 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 there is a lot of nuance to everything. You've got limited, like the hull point type arrangement and the actual hull points that you actually have inside the uh, the ship as well. And that being sort of split into different areas does make it. But you've really got. You get to a point where thinking, if I get that, I can't get this. And, uh, and it, you know, quite often when you're trying to sort of, like it's one of these things where you, you you get a target, you think, okay, well, how am I going to get rid of that pirate base or how am I going to get rid of, like I, I, I accidentally stumbled across a hive carrier. I don't know if you guys have seen that yet. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's like 27,000 worth of um, of damage heading your way. So uh, yeah. it, like, and so there's things like that where you've got to then analyze because everything's exposed. So you can see exactly what's on the pirate bases, uh, you know, what their range is, what sort of weaponry they're going to be using. So I went in with one group of destroyers, for example, uh, to try to take out a pirate base where I just used what the AI had given me and um, got completely wiped out, like within, you know, in a very, very short period of time just against the pirate base. But then Analyzing what the pirate base had on it then allowed me to sort of see, okay, what's well, mainly using like seeker missiles and uh, and had a whole lot of different bombers and interceptors. So it was like, okay, well, the thing to get rid of those is the uh, point defense. So get rid of a lot of the other weaponry, put heaps of point defense on your ships. They also had incredible shields. So to get through the shields, you know, I'm going I'm to need rail guns. So I need to get in really close. I need good engines, good rail guns, good point defense. And uh, then also they had iron cannons, so you need iron defense, all these different sorts of things. And then you, but you then sort of find that, okay, well, now I don't have enough space on my ship. So uh, you've then got to start making compromises. And it's really, really tight. It's a really good system. And the more you get into it, it's almost like then, like even this one today, I've got to the point where I almost had a good design for frigates. And uh, like I went with uh, like some heavy frigates to uh, to take on a particular uh, element in the, in the game that I'm playing. And, um, but I just didn't have quite enough space. So then I've got to go back to my research to make sure I get something that's going to give me enough power to then save 20 points of uh, hull space, you know, to to then open up what I need to then do. So I find that really interesting. Like, it's really, really fun. And it's uh, more so than in Distant Worlds 1. Like, I, I'm finding it's it's now, it seems to make a lot more sense. And, uh, and I really, really enjoy that. This has got the best combat system in it of any forex of any space forex game I've ever played by a long mile. Like, for example, 
like Daz is saying, you want to you there's so much scope for custom building ships that do a specific job. So for example, you might like you say, putting something that's just got tons of point defense and um, you know, countermeasures systems on and having it like a countermeasures cruiser, but then you want I don't know, like say your mission might be that you actually need to take base. So then you can have another ship, might even be the same kind of class of ship, but that's just fully boarded, uh, built up with boarding parties. And then, you know, you so really for every situation, you're kind of going back to the drawing board, like, right, what do I need here? And then you can, you know, uh, you're thinking about the formations that your ships are flying in, how many enemies you're coming up against. But it's just mind boggling the amount of things that you can do. The new shipbuilding system is way better, in my opinion, because... One of my big gripes about Distant Worlds Universe was the amount of time I spent. Every it, it seemed like if you don't want the, the AI to do your ship design for you, which was a good idea because it wasn't the most optimal way of doing things by far, then I felt that I was in the ship designer like every time I got a new tech. And that started to wind me up a little bit because I wasn't happy for the AI to do it. But at the same time, I felt kind of compelled every time I had a ship to just to manually go through all of them and kind of update them and make sure that it was doing it correctly. I don't feel the need to do that in this one because there's so much less boilerplate stuff you've got to do in order to get a functional ship. Like you don't have to balance hub hub modules and life support. And, you know, there is a little bit of that, but there's not so much. And it's the system's 10 times less opaque. Some people might lament the, you know, the limited hard point systems, but bear in mind right now, rather than as it was in Distant Worlds, yeah, where often the battles seem to, be a scrum you know you tell you 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 jumped your ships in there was a bit of a scrum and it was difficult to kind of get anything to be in position and then they you know it was jumping around around a point rather than actually coming in in formation whereas now they're coming in formation and actually set up a run it's um even just that little aspect is just so good it's game changing (laughs) this is what i mean and this game is full of little changes like that that seem like they're on paper they don't like look like they're different but they drastically change the way the game plays to to the point where it's just so much more fun like combat now is something that i don't really want to necessarily just leave the ai to do because it's so fun you can just like okay right i'm going to come in from this angle i'm going to get these guys to go over here then they're going to come in and sort of walk behind them you know and you start getting into your head how you're going to plan this attack um so it's it's just it's just Even taking the game too much. On, the, on the enemy sh- ships or if you've got a base or something like that they'll be pointing a certain direction so you can come in at a direction away from for example like, like today i had one where there was a, a massive rail gun that i had to try to avoid uh because i'd be getting nice and close and uh and you can look at the actual model and think okay well there's the there's the hangar bay that it's got and the, then the, their rail gun is just off the side of the hangar bay so i come in on the opposite side no it's brilliant it's brilliant the way they've done it yeah, the hard points are a huge change, you know, because in the old game, everything just fired wherever it could. Now, people, I saw people in the, you know, in the forums complaining, oh, you know, I can't just, you can, I can't build these ships with millions of weapons. It's like, yeah, I know, but what you've traded for is a much better combat system that allows you to use real tactics. And, you know, that is, I'm, I'm willing to trade that for the ability to, you know, to have these crazy ships that maybe had 50,000, you know, 50 engines on it and only one gun or whatever, you know, I, I don't need that really. Yeah, it's interesting. Good, good yeah, I, I don't know. This is um, this is a, something that I'm still torn about because what I, I I try to ask myself like, what is it about Distant Worlds which I enjoy? What is like the fun part of it? Where where am I like okay with automation? What where do I want to bog down in detail? What's like the appropriate scope? And especially because it's missing some of this manual control stuff, I find that um, the manual control fleets at the tactical level. To me, it just it devolves into me clicking on a fleet or selecting a whole fleet 
and then right-clicking on something. And I may beforehand right-click to move them somewhere before that so they approach from a specific angle. But um, like the a lot of the things like firing arcs and all this that they've added, um, I, I feel like what is that an indication that the developer or the game design is that they want you to focus on that? Because right now, as far as I know, the AI does not care where the firing arcs are. They do not seem to like approach uh, an enemy pirate station from the like optimum direction. I don't know if they even do a calculation about it or if their calculation is done. It's just not the same as the calculation I do. But I don't know. I have a problem with firing arcs just because it, it does make you bog down in this very minute detail when I'm running an entire empire. And there's so many things that are on automated. I, I'm trying to figure out right now where where does the game want me to look? Like what what are the things like regardless of the things that I like to look at, which are more the economy, the research, the ship building, is that what is the game telling me I should look at? And it appears like it's trying to force me to look at the detailed combat rather than just like more of a Stellaris approach where you just see two fleets flying at each other. And that's kind of how I was initially planning to treat combat. I think you can still play it that way. I know what you're saying because it's, uh, it's, a, big, it's a big feature, big change, but it doesn't seem to really have a big role in what, the way that you actually do play the game. And I do agree it doesn't have a massive role in the way that you do play the game. Like it's not as if you try to have certain ships coming in at different angles and things like that all the time. Like it is one of those things you can just play fairly randomly because the ships will automatically find their best angles anyway. They'll actually move around and, and do what you want from that. And, and that looks good, but it's, um, I don't know, like it's not, for me, it's not a big deal, the, the arcs. And I know that with the ships, the enemy ships are also, like they will just find their best, their best angles and, and just attack from that, from that area. In fact, I quite like seeing them go in in formation and then split up so they can come in at the, at the, at the optimum angle. So yeah, I'm, I'm finding I'm I'm actually liking the look of it just from what it's actually doing. I think the part of the the difficulty in testing a system like that is all of us should be following our Sun Tzu, you know. So are you really going to be when you're playing optimally? Are you going to be engaging an enemy with forces that are only just good enough to defeat your opponent to the point where you really need to start kind of being super careful about your positioning? Because I think mostly in forex games. I tend to be like, okay, I'm going to hit you with the biggest army you've ever seen and you're going to run away squealing. And that, so that's kind of how I feel that, you know, it's kind of difficult to to test the tactical stuff in, in 4X games um, unless you really, you know, are just trying to test it. Uh, one thing I did want to ask about, they, they did make some points about this almost like space terrain now with nebulas and stuff like that. What, what are you guys, what's your uh, encounters with that been so far i personally love it i absolutely love it but I know i've also seen comments on my youtube videos where people are thinking oh no that's going to make it like mountains is this just like mountains in space but uh i'm yes it is it's great <laughs> it really it really changes things just so dramatically um they're big the, the nebulas each nebula has a different aspect about them like a certain nebula will just strip your shields away for example so if you're dealing, if, so if you're going to be dealing in that so inside that nebula, you need a lot of armor on your ships. Um, another nebula, for example, will actually it's like an iron cannon, so you need all sorts of different iron protection to have anything go through the nebula. And quite often, the planets that you really like, the really special planets, are inside these ionic nebulas. And um, so you, all of your ships, like no matter how small or big in your in your empire, have to have protection if they're going to be 
you know, like, you know, from the, uh, the cargo haulers through to constructors, all of those sorts of things all have to have this iron protection if they're going to be dealing with these massive planets that are, uh, that are available. So for me, it adds an enormous amount uh, to the actual game. And also the, the, uh, the way one other feature that's actually added to the game is the parving. Now, there is a bit of a problem with the parving at the moment, but that will be fixed by launch. But that what, you know, the ships no longer have, like you can no longer tell a ship to jump from one side of the galaxy to the other side of the galaxy. It can, it's got like a jump range, which is a, which is a new mechanic. And so it, can, it has to then plot a path around nebulas at, at, its, at its maximum jump range. So, uh, for example, I think that the Gyrax drives are like a jump range of 140M. Well, I don't know what the mechanics actually are, but it, it means that they can't, just, they can't go crazy with their jumps. And so they have to then navigate through and they'll do it automatically. You don't have to do that for them. But it's just interesting. It's just, it's, I, I find it so much more rewarding to play in there. Um, what do you guys think? I think I'll just take a, a bit of a more middle uh, viewpoint here. Um, first of all, we should mention that the nebulae are able, you are able to toggle on or set, it's a setting, right? Uh, the galaxy can be made with like, I think no nebulae at all. And uh, yeah. I, I kind of prefer that idea. I, I, so I, there's a lot of interesting game mechanics, which Das already mentioned. Uh, and I agree. I don't disagree with anything there. I think that it could be a lot of fun. Um, it just doesn't, it kind of violates my vision of space. I really like to have space as this, I mean, what it is, it's like a void. It's always been one of my favorite things about distant worlds is that you can jump just outside of the system in the space and you're there, you're, you can go anywhere in the galaxy just like you can. But Hey, if you were to jump outside of our solar system, like let's say five times outside the orbit of Pluto, like five Pluto orbits away, uh, yeah, you would just be in nothingness. And that's exactly what you can do in distant worlds, which allows you to kind of like coordinate strikes on a system by, you know, arranging for all your fleets to line up right outside of it, declare war, and you're like, you know, just a fraction of a second away from being on top of them. I like those kind of things. So I like the idea of not having any obstacles in space, just because it's satisfying for my own like lore of what space 4x should be. But yeah, I appreciate the mechanics that are offered by that. And I, I actually leave it on most for the most part right now. So I don't think it kind of breaks any law. I, I think there are parts of space that are likely going to be really difficult to get at for various reasons. I mean, we don't really know that much about space even. So, I mean, I, I, to me, it's not so much of a thematic thing. I, I do like the new mechanic. I think until you get used to it, it can be quite frustrating because you're suddenly like, oh, I just sent my ships in there. Why have they all died? However, there are some, uh, I think Dad's kind of hinted at it. There are some tasty goods. There are some tasty rewards to be found inside the nebulas if you build your ships so that they can survive it and also it's in the 3d version you're fine with nda okay so there's for example is the mortalin there are some excellent uh planets that you can colonize that are tied into the story i believe and yeah there are such good planets but you've got to be able to get your colony ships in them also consider the tactical possibilities of parking a bunch of stealthed ships that are also able to survive in that particular nebula as the enemy fleet flies past on its way to attack you and then you sneak them back they you sneak them into their territory attack them uh do loads of damage and then you sneak them back into the nebula where they can't be followed that is pretty cool oh that sounds really cool but i mean will this terrain sort of have a side effect that what uh eric was mentioning where you're having to focus more on the war side of things now rather than maybe stuff you uh, would rather focus on like you can in uh, Distant Worlds 1. 
No, it's um, you can basically. I find that the scale is still massive. Like even if like the nebulas, like and each. Actually, I should just point out each each galaxy type that you get. Like you know how in the distant worlds one, you used to still get different galaxy types. But it wasn't really. It wasn't all that difficult to sort of bridge different different distances for a lot of the different galaxy types. Like I always used to play either on clusters where there was big distance between them, which is essentially what the nebulas now do, is they split up areas of space. Or uh, used to play on the ring system where you had like a big area in the middle with nothing in it. And uh, and with th- this one, uh, each type that you play, whether you play, like if you're playing with something that's got a very definite shape, the galaxies, the nebulas will then form that shape better. And uh, and make it so that you do tend to be in your little arm. So you sort of you're not really breaking across the arms of the galaxy as much. You will eventually, but I find it's it for me it works so so much better than distant worlds one, distant worlds universe, etc. It was um, yeah really really cool the way it sort of d- does work with that. And um, and so the nebula don't really play a big role until you get into the mid game where you're then trying to expand. And then for me they then really sort of do play an important and good role in the game. And I think what Ben had mentioned about the tactical aspects that you can make use of them is um, really exceptional. Like, it's they're, they're a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm not sure that how much that'll play a role, um, just because I'm not sure. I could see that being more of a tactic you uh, can employ against uh, another player, but there's no multiplayer in Distant Worlds 2. So I, I'm not sure. Have you experienced that the AI is smart enough where you can, like, ambush them retreat to the nebulae and, and they like react in any meaningful way or, or do they just send their send their ships in and their ships don't have ion defense so they actually just die or <laughs> i don't know what happens what I happens with the ai i don't know is the answer to that question because i've uh, at least in the review copy i've not got that far into it i think we, i think i figured that i'd been playing just over six hours so uh, i haven't i haven't got a huge i haven't got really really far into the game like i did with the with the previous versions so um yeah pass on that one i do want to address yeah, something that drexy really said he he kind of asked if is the game pushing you towards more of a warfare based game and the answer is no i really don't think that is the case this is still the only forex game that i play where i think playing without a military focus is not only viable but fun because it's got the it's got the mechanics to sustain it which and the main part of that is the resource-based economy one of the wonderful things about Distant Worlds Universe, like Daz was talking about how he used to like setting clusters. I also used to like playing like that. And I'd set it so that, um, that the stars were really, really sparse. So there was huge, I put it on a huge map, but with sparse clusters. Often, in order to just get to the resource you needed, you had to plan a logistics mission like, okay, I'm going to go to this place here, then I'm going to set up a refueling station, and then I'm going to get to this, you know, and then you're going to jump to this place here even just to get to your first colony you can do stuff like this in this game as well and uh we can only talk about the mortalin and the actarian so far but um judging by how the other races in distant world universe played i expect that there will be factions that you can play as that really lean into other areas of the game very heavily like uh you know like the tr- uh, you know trading exploitation of mining that kind of stuff so there, um, I'm absolutely certain that there are going to be people who really do not like warfare so much in these games. They're going to love Distant Worlds because you don't really have to play like that. And if you if you want, you can just completely automate all the combat. Just to, like just to talk about the actions that are coming. Okay, I think that's not a problem. It's the, I think the only thing we can't talk about is the. Um, we can't show those factions in game in our gameplay, but we certainly have to talk about them because. Uh, 
uh, you know, so we can actually talk about the Tekans, for example, which is, uh, was that the one that you were referring to about? Yes, I was. Playing? Absolutely, Daz. You, you, you've, uh, you've got it right. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit shady on how the NDA works. I don't want to get anyone into trouble. Um, uh, so, look, but please go if ahead. You, if you read the preview um, instructions that we got, it does sort of say that we can mention, we can talk about anything at all in the game. We just can't show the, um, can't show the those. We can't actually show the the Tekans or the humans, you know, or, or the Xenoxes or any of those sorts of factions. But we are allowed yeah. to, we're certainly allowed to talk about them. In fact. Um, Eric Rutens was on the stream. He's been on the stream a little bit uh, this week, and he's actually been answering questions about Kaidens and other factions that actually aren't part of the game yet. <laughs> oh, nice. So, okay. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm going to have to go and watch those because Eric's always he's always a delight to talk to. <laughs> um, oh, thank you. Oh, wait. Oh, so, yeah. uh, you're no, now, Eric. <laughs> we obviously we weren't talking about you. <laughs> i i you know i remember daz I can't, I can't remember when it was but it was a while ago we were talking and you were like who the hell plays the tekans anyway and it just <laughs> it just made me laugh <laughs> but actually I think they've really made them better they're, they're better in this one they're loads better they're, they've, yeah. they've really got the mechanics to really support the type of gameplay that you are supposed to be playing with them that it's way better than in distant worlds units i've actually i admit i am a tekken player occasionally <laughs> the occasional tekken player and uh, yeah I've, uh, I've i've been enjoying those very much i mean i'm sorry i just want to inject I'd, i think the point i was kind of trying to make is yes you will have to do war but now because of all these nebulas is the ai capable of going to war and dealing with the nebulas whilst you focus on other stuff which is what you yeah, could absolutely. kind of do in uh distant worlds one okay cool that's that's kind of the point it's, i wanted to make yeah the, the because the pathing because ships will find their best path to to your location the like the ai right. and you don't need so to you don't have to manually go and navigate circumnavigate the ships will navigate right cool that's all i wanted to know yeah. oh one thing we were talking about with the economy is like uh how it's Maybe it's better, or can you still do the things with the economy that you could in Distant Worlds? I would compare this at least to Distant Worlds Universe because I actually my memory is pretty fuzzy on what came before that. And I, I think there's a couple of things missing. I feel like the again, this is a I think an intentional shift towards automation that you're not really supposed to care as much or manage it yourself as much. Like one thing which is missing, or I don't know what the replacement for it is. There's some new menus in the in the under the mining section but there's no empire planner which is what i would use to you know select where i wanted my mining stations and stuff um unless i'm missing something i don't know am i correct to say that there's no empire planner functionality is there they're, they're definitely yeah, functionality because, is better than what it was yeah it's it's got its own section under resources so there are resource locations that that work in exactly the same way as the old empire planner worked. I think there's a lot of stuff that's in distant worlds too, that, that isn't in the same place as it was. For example, somebody was asking for the game editor and I was like, they were, Oh, it's gone. You know, there's no game editor. I was like, it's still there, but you access it from the game menu, which is way better than the old system where yeah. you would just click on the button accidentally. And then suddenly you're in, you're like editing the game in, instead of playing. I really dislike that. I thought that was a, a terrible UI decision on the first game. And they've put, they've actually put it behind the main menu now, which is so much better. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I think everything everything that was in the Empire Planner is in there, and more. Like it is, um, uh, uh, you know, th even things like when you find uh, like uh, ships, you know, that you, where you need to go and repair them to sort of get like your your, your uh, battle cruisers or your uh, battleships, etc. I didn't, I couldn't find that. I was micromanaging that, and, and actually, Eric Rutens uh, came in and actually said, "Oh no, you just go to this screen, and there it is. There's your list." <laughs> you know, it was like, "Oh, okay, that's really easy." 
Yeah, this is probably stuff is uh, the growing pains, learning the new game. Um, like the one thing I was I was missing the most is like just a, a map, like a basically a, like a mini map type view where you could see where all these things are. But kind of in my head right now, I'm thinking about it. You probably just are supposed to zoom out to the global view and then those things highlight or something. That's right. Just, yep. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just figured it out, which shows you that the interface is good. I mean, it's highlighting everything appropriately. I just was trying to access something while being in a system. And so I obviously wasn't seeing like where these different mining stations were going to appear. Can I just follow up on this before I direct you out to this next question? The the interface has got so much stuff in there that it's going to need people. It's going to need a really robust tutorial or just to watch other people do it or a superb manual because I've actually found today, for example, I was playing and um, I realized if, if you click on the diplomatic overlay button, you can click on individual systems where it tells you your diplomatic rating with other uh, colonies and it takes you straight into the diplomacy. So there's loads of little shortcuts in there, which is, you know, which is great. Like this, the UI is really good. I've seen a lot of comments about the UI and particularly like loads of people bitching about the font. And I just don't get it myself. Like I made a video about it because it was, because it seemed to be, there was this big misunderstanding about the UI not being scalable. And you can scale the UI. You can change the colors of it. I actually wanted to ask Daz a question about this as well. Um, but like my eyes, like at the end of the day, if I've been working all day or doing stuff all day, often when I come to gaming, I have to take my contact lenses out, right? At the moment, I don't even have any glasses because <laughs> I'm an idiot. So um, sometimes I've just got one contact lens in or, I'm, or none. And if I want to play a game, I'm, I'm going to be like, th- like six inches away from the screen, which is terrible for your eyes. However, I can read the font, no problem. And I've, I'm... I reckon that I would probably almost qualify as as partially sighted without my my contact lens. I I've got I, I I struggle to cross a road. Yeah, it's dangerous for me to cross a road. <laughs> and my eyes are that bad, and I can I can read that font perfectly. It just I just don't get what the complaints were about it at all. But I was going to ask Daz just quickly. I know Daz, you're colorblind. Have you found the UI uh, works okay for you? Yeah, look, I've seen the comments as well. Like you know, people saying that there's not enough contrast, uh, that it's too small now. I'm playing on 1080p. I don't know what you what size you guys are playing on, but I'm you know, like I actually I record on 1080p so that um, and that like I've had no problems at all with any, with the, the sizing. I mean I'm not even playing on the largest uh, size. Uh, I think at 4K it like because if you record at 4K and then it goes on to like someone watching it, it's going to look at 1080p for a lot of people, so it will look small uh, yeah. in in that sort of sense. But I guess if you're playing it like you 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 when you're playing a game like this, you actually are you're playing it on a probably a bigger screen than what a lot of people are watching it on. And um, yeah, I've had no problem at all with the user interface at all, and the colours as well. Had no problem with those as well. That's good. I mean, my, I think I've been playing on 1440 because I've been trying to update, upgrade the quality of the videos a little bit. Because generally speaking, when I'm the kind of games that I play, I mean, I'm well known for liking games that look like crap anyway. So I, I don't bother with like 1440. The the YouTube encoding times just too fierce for me to even be bothered about it um but that said yeah uh, i think that i think it looks fine to me i i can read it even when i've not got my contact lenses in it's it you know i think some people are probably a little bit salty from distant worlds universe not still still not having <laughs> resolution scaling and they're kind of like confusing the two issues but yeah yeah um the other big change uh, i've noticed is the research tree is quite a bit different now you don't really see the whole thing and apparently there's going to be like random texts. And also there's, I believe there's some sort of like cross-parving where you can sort of get to other texts from a, a different section of the tree. Can you guys sort of 
explain the new research tree to me because yeah that's one of the big things i've noticed as well uh, yeah. i can answer that if you like Go it's ahead, um it, yeah it, instead of having three different trees which is what you had before and then you were only able to research and you had to research in all three of those the tech is now all in one massive tree but the tree has got like sub trees inside it so you've probably got maybe sort of like 15 different like you know troops will have their own little category so Instead of having, instead of your leaders having a, um, a propensity to sort of, you know, work hard in, in one of the three tech trees that they had before, now they actually have so many different other ways that they can actually sort of get different benefits. So you you end up like it's it's much more nuanced depending on the uh, on the on the uh, scientists that you get, the uh, faction you play, uh, like the, the the research stations themselves. So there's like when you're playing, you may sort of find that you end up with like a, a an extremely high ability to sort of for example get weaponry uh but at the end but not so much one of the others so you, it's sort of like everything has been now put into one area but the, to get around that multiple tech if you want it you can actually depending on how many resource stations you have you can have them all researching different things if you want them to or you can have them all just researching one it's up to you so it's much more open i really like what they've done with this it's a it's a, not a big change it doesn't feel like a big change but it but it actually is in reality, a big change, just the, the whole scope of what they've done. I, hope that, I don't know if that, if that answers the question. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, you almost had me right there. I thought for a second you couldn't actually research multiple things now it's in one tree. So what you're saying is you can either do what you kind of do in Distant Worlds 1 where you can research three different things at once or f you can now focus everyone onto just one thing now. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's the only benefit you get from, um, and really, like you probably do, do want to mainly just focus on one thing now, so you can sort of get that as quickly as you possibly can, like because you probably need it. I, the only time I've been sort of splitting things out is if there was, like, for example, I really needed to get a heavy escort, and it was going to take me three months to, if I put it, if I put all the research into it, it's going to be three months, and so I just, I just opened up the research into two streams. Throw that in there so that it was actually being researched at the same time as whatever the big thing was that I was researching. So, you, and that way it just came along. You know, I didn't really notice the blip uh, when it was there. So, things like that, you don't have like you've got. It's a bit more open. And I think also if you crash research, you know, like you know, double the research time, they're viable then. I think. And also if you do have a crash research program, you can't shuffle them the the research around. Once you're in a crash program, so the the only way around actually opening up other like if you need another sort of research fairly urgently and you've got a crash program going, you then as long as you've got the research bases to allow it, you then basically just open it up and say, okay, well instead of doing one, I'm now going to do two. That's going to go into the second slot, and you may decide to crash that one as well. So you can you've got a lot more flexibility, and I think it again it's um it feels better because it feels like you're sort of it feels more realistic rather than having these sort of these contrived three areas that you're dealing in. It's uh, it's now all just one, like one massive tree, and it's a big tree. Like it's a massive, but you've got filters and stuff as well to make it easy. No, it's really, I really like what they've done. I have a question about this. Uh, so I, this is something I was doing a little, I mean, just the math on it, I'm trying to figure out if it works. So the way I view it, I don't, I can't see how now there's any benefit to doing re research in more than one category. Uh, like just to take a simple example, Let's say you're doing research on something which is like 200 units of research. And after 50 units of research, you want to start one which is 100. Um, I guess that's a situation where you just like if it's a lower tech thing, you want to you want to get the low tech thing done before the like the other one finishes. 
because I mean, if you have the same number of research points to throw around, to me, it always seems better to just get a new tech as quickly as possible, which means you don't want to divide your points. And and I, I that it's a good point though. I mean, when you're crash researching, you can't research anything else. You can't take the crash research project off of your active research queue. So I'm just trying to think like if you had like a, maybe a hundred point project, um, then it'll just finish half as slow. And then, yeah, so would it have been better just to finish the first one and then go to the next one? I'm, I don't know. I, but hey, if it's opening up these kind of questions, then that's room for gameplay choice. So it could be a good thing. Okay, so I saw Eric address this um, on on one of these threads, and he said that they're going for choice. So they, you know, they might even if there's no mathematical reason for you to uh, to you know to have concurrent projects uh, because there's no there might be no technical advantage or disadvantage to doing so he wants the players to have choice i thought about this and i can think of at least one or two situations why i would um i don't trust the the ai to design my design me the best ships right and i also don't want to be going into the ship designer every damn time that i research something so particularly if let's say i need an example that just came up Let's say I need to get a colony ship up, so I need to get um, colonization, and I need to get the uh, uh, the I forget what it's called now, but the extended civilian ship tech. And uh, you know, it doesn't really matter which order I get them in. If I put those two in con- in concurrent, then I'm going to get them. You know, obviously in the same time that if I did it individually. But one, there's less chance that I forget. So um, you know, there's less chance that I'm doing something else and I forget, and then I go three or six months without researching anything. And um, two, I only have to upgrade ships once, and that might seem like a bit of a weird thing to say, but consider that every time that you upgrade your civilian ships, um, and you or you allow the AI to do it, you're you're spending from your your private economy. So the the private sector then spend for these new ships just to upgrade every single time. That is when you might want to do concurrent projects because you might want to say, okay, I need five components. I, I don't need them immediately, so I'm just going to put them all concurrent. Then I'll just do the redesign once. The, the private sector only pay for the ships once. Wouldn't it be cool, though, if you could just get, if there was a, an interesting game decision to be made about splitting research or not? Like, what if what if you did research things a little bit faster if you did multiple things at once, but then you get one, you know, yeah, then you slow down your total tech, the the first tech, sorry, that you're trying to get. I don't okay. know. I, I feel like there could be some kind of, they could do something here, maybe. The way that it's done in Master of Orion and Remnants of the Precursors is slightly different. So what happens is that you get, if you balance your research, oh, this is with research. So if you balance your research out, rather than putting it all into one place, you actually get a research bonus. Um, whereas if you put every, if you try to crash research things, uh, you actually research slower overall. They would, they did that in Master of Orion basically to stop you from, from just kind of like suddenly stopping researching on one thing and then, uh, you know, going, okay, I, I no longer need that. I instantly need to get laser guns instead of, you know, colonization or whatever. So they, they did that. Um, and in the original game, it was like a decay on the on the research that you'd already done the way that resonance of the precursors does it instead is you get a you just get an overall bonus if you split your research maybe they could do something like that if people insist there needs to be some kind of mathematical reason for it maybe one reason that you could actually have for it is because there is a chance that you that your individual scientists will also then generate crash research programs that you have to pay for them and i just don't know whether that means that all of those points go into if you've only got one they basically all go into just that one or whether, you know, each individual, you, you may have a, a scientist that's really, really good at weaponry and another one that's really, really good at construction. 
would if you had uh, two fields in both of those areas, if the um, and I've, I shouldn't have used the, the examples of the old distant world's universe areas, but in those sorts of areas, it could be that you end up with the potential of actually having two crash programs happening by splitting it. I don't know. It's uh, something I'm not sure about. Yeah, and I, I should take a step back and just say I, I'm thoroughly enjoying even the research system as it is right now. But um, just my the way I'm wired, I, I just always look at the glass half empty. I'm actually a really positive, optimistic person, but I, the way I look at systems is I always try to think, how could this be improved? And and pretty much it's an A rating for me already. So it's very fun. I love the research. They're probably going to have to adjust the balance of crash researching, which I, th- I think they're probably already looking into. Because um, right now I just feel like I crash research everything. And I do like having an economy versus research trade-off. So it's nice to have a crash research option. But if I do it for every single tech I'm doing, then there's not it's not really a strategic choice anymore. It just becomes, um, you know, I just have to double click the research instead of single clicking it. So um, I'm sure they're working on something though. Right. Before we wrap up, is there um, just anything else you guys want to add what you're enjoying? Just just go through basically what you're enjoying about the new stuff of uh, Distant Worlds 2 and maybe stuff you're not enjoying. Just like a, a quick summary of your time with the uh, the preview copy. Is any is anybody like really feeling impacted by the 3D nature of the game? Because this was a, actually somehow a controversial issue when it first was, was showcased. I love it. I, I I'm not looking back. I, I I I like Distant Worlds Universe, and I like the way it looks. I never had a problem with it. I could quite happily go back and play that game now, still. Um, but I really, really, really like the 3D. I just think it's so much more immersive, and I enjoy, you know, panning it around and watching ships fly off into the sun to to go and survey them. I think it's great. Yeah, I, th- I think 3D adds a lot to it. Actually, it's um, it does uh, add a lot of immersion. Uh, it's uh, there's going to be a barrier of entry now for modders, of course, with the 3D. That's going to make modding a lot, lot harder. Um, so yeah, I think that's one aspect. But overall, I think it really does add a lot to the to the flavor of the game. And yeah, I'm, I'm actually I could never go back to Distant Worlds Universe now. Actually, it's um, I tried and I just couldn't do it. It's um, Distant Worlds Two is so much better. It's funny because you don't realize just how much more. Uh, enjoyable it actually is to the Distant Worlds universe. And um, it's, uh, yeah, when I did try to go back and play Distant Worlds universe, it was like, oh, no, I just can't do it. <laughs> so it's a, it's a massive, massive win for me. Yeah, I was, I was tentative about the, the 3D. Just, I mean, I want 3D if I can get it. But the thing is, if it comes down to dev cycles where they're being spent, I didn't want them to be spent on 3D. But the price has already been paid and the, the game looks a lot better. And I did find myself... I mean, I don't. There's no like 3D plane to the the combat. It's still a 2D plane for combat, which is. I, I think it would be really cool if if that wasn't the case. But I did find myself I, zooming I, in I'm, and really, I'm the opposite. I love the 2D plane. Well, I mean, I I do like the fact that the 2D plane is all I have to give orders on. However, in combat, I think it would be cool if ships violated that in an arbitrary, like not just an abstract way, f- just for visuals. Because when you're they're playing all on the 2D plane, I, I mean, it just it reminds me that this is a 2D plane combat game. Anyway, if they just raised and lowered themselves, like you know, abstractly without any effect on the game mechanics, that would be kind of interesting to me. I just visually would be like, they, they cool. do that. Like if you do, if you go into bridge view or not bridge view, but if you go into uh, follow view of the ships, um, they like s- some of them will try to like some of them will just edge themselves across the over the top of some of the other ships. It's actually and the and the uh, the bombers and interceptors also go outside the the Z plane. They sort of have got a little bit more leeway. 
I was playing with a. Uh, I just set up a battle and had. I was having a bit of a look at it just from the actual uh, from the perspective of a ship, and they were certainly coming in at different Z levels. Like you know, not much, but it, certainly they were there. So now I think it's like I. I but I really hope they don't make a, a Z level that you can then need to start to like uh, sort of the stars. I hated it when they did that with that. Yeah, I found no, it so that was just so difficult. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to fight that either. Uh, yeah, to, to summarize my viewpoints on it then, I, I just want to say that I, I'm looking forward to moving more towards manual stuff, and the game is just, I don't know how it just draws my time. Um, it's one of those games, like we talked about earlier, how there's games where you don't, you just think that they're great game designs and you don't end up playing them. And this is, like, even if there's some game design decisions I'm not even sure about right now, I don't even know what I'm doing sometimes, but I'm enjoying it. So this game is, it, like, the entertainment quality of this game is is an A. And that's my my summary of it so far. Ben, do you have a uh, summary? I'm just enjoying relearning the game. To be honest with you, I think that um, I'm I'm still at a point with it where I've I've really yet to to hit the late game, at least in this review copy. So I'm just enjoying relearning how it's playing, and it's just it's been a delight. Uh, what I'm not enjoying are the massive lag spikes, uh, the massive frame rate drops that I'm getting every now and again. In fact, it's not every now and again. It's pretty much every time I scroll. And I th- I understand that that's not universal. I, d- I don't think anyone else has had this, um, but it is. It's an it's enough that I've had to stop streaming as I've had to stop recording and sort it out. Yeah, Rob's mentioned something. He gets lag spikes when he's recording for some reason. Right, it I might just be when I'm recording the then. Yeah, I, I am. I, to be fair, I am playing at fourteen forty, which is quite high resolution. And I'm recording at 1440, but I've got a monstrous CPU. It, my my CPU can handle that no sweat. So it, uh, I don't I don't know what that is. I um yeah I expect it will be fixed. Um, if it is something that is affecting other people, um, but yeah, I, I, I sp- that, sorry, I think one of the things with that is I'm not sure. Like it's I'm finding it only when I'm actually going into and seeing a whole lot of models of ships that I haven't actually been looking at in detail. Right. And I know that the uh, the game itself, or I think the game itself, is just using um, like uh, pings and, and JPEG types of sort of uh, mapping rather than MIP maps. You know, the the uh, where it sort of scales as it, as you're getting closer. I don't yeah. know if that would would help it or not, but um, yeah, I, that's the only time I get any sort of problem. So um, yeah, it's, other than that, I, I think it, it's just incredible. Like if, I always look at you know how it zooms in on that very first planet when you start the game. I use that as my guide as to um, as to whether it's going to be having a problem or not. And um, so far with the preview version, that's been very, very smooth. Yeah, so other than that, it's great. I'm loving it. I'm, I'm, I'm just really enjoying the, the vast tactical possibilities there are with the toys that you get to play with. Anything you want to wrap up with, Des? Oh, no, I think, like, I think I've sort of pretty com- much covered. Um, yeah, I just absolutely love I love the experience. I'm waking up, thinking about it, going to bed, thinking about it. Just absolutely loving it. Right. Well, I think we've uh, pretty much done Distant Worlds 2. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. It's been really, really fun to chat to you. I, l- I love getting the four of us together because we always have just so much fun talking about these games. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for you, for jumping on and spending your time chatting about stuff that we love talking about. Well, it was a real pleasure. Thanks, it's um it's been good fun, actually. It's um I always I, I, Likewise, I actually really enjoy these discussions. It's sort of like we don't always agree on everything, and I think it's healthy. Um, and, you know, we end up really disliking each other after the session. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why we only do them every six months. <laughs> I was wondering when my tires were slashed. <laughs> no, yeah, it's really enjoyable. And I, I always find I'm learning something or just, I mean, you hear, you hear someone else's perspective and then you go back into the game with like this new 
perspective, which usually un- unveils some new wonder that you weren't really aware of or hadn't really noticed. So yeah, I really appreciate the discussions. I think it's great as well, Eric, that you've, you, you know, you bring a sort of balance to it because I think uh, I can be critical, but I also sometimes get a little bit taken away with the excitement and stuff. And I'm kind of willing to put up with things that other people might not necessarily be willing to put up with. So it's good to have that engineering outlook on it that you've got, you know, <laughs> I do hate myself a little for it. Cause then I, I, I hear like these podcasts afterwards. I'm like, man, I, but I like this game a lot. Why does it sound that way? Anyway? Yeah. I, I also tend to like fill the void in the room. If there's um, people who are very positive, I'll also just try to take a contrarian view just to add a little bit of different viewpoint perspective. So hopefully I didn't have to do that too much because I really <laughs> like this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I also find it cool that both Daz and Erica like look at games quite differently from each other. So it's nice to get each of those perspective on the same game. And it's, yeah, I just find it really interesting that, you know, we're not, it's, you're just not, uh, you know, everyone's saying the same thing. So you're just getting different angles of the same uh, game, really. So, yeah, it's really good having you both on. Well, if you want to get a good view of something, you have to move around it, don't you, and see it from different perspectives. And well, like in a 3D game. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much for listening, guys. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast. This was Ben, Drexy, Daz and Eric at Explorminate. Thanks for listening. Take care.